the superwoman syndrome is something that I started calling it because I worked with so many women having it. And I certainly know what it's like for myself, right? And it's that moment when you realize that you have all these options and you want to have them all in a certain way. And that's not possible. And that becomes extremely difficult. So there is essentially career goals we have and money goals we have and relationship requirements. And we want a spiritual life and children, perhaps, and the freedom to travel and, 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 and all of that's theoretically possible, not only because it's available, but because there's social media and, you know, the internet and all kinds of things. So we are drenched in opportunity and as a result of that, we're often incredibly overwhelmed. Your lifelong passions, dreams, and aspirations, your joys and creative spurs, your femininity, your success, all in one place. This is Girl Skill with your host, Anna Rova. Hi, girlfriends. Before you listen to this episode on Goal Skill Podcast, I quickly want to jump in and make you a personal recommendation for the goddess kit that comes from Rosie Rees, founder of Yoni Pleasure Palace and Naked Yoga, who's also been my guest on episode 31, which has been one of the top ever downloaded episodes on this podcast. So the goddess kit is actually a jade yoni egg and a rose quartz pleasure wand that comes in a beautiful black box with pouches for safekeeping. And it's really a self-pleasure, a self-care practice. So the Yoni egg, you can think about it as weight for Kegel exercises. And what it does is it has amazing benefits to it. It strengthens your pelvic floor, which helps a lot with weak bladder. It prevents prolapse. It rehabilitates the pelvic floor after childbirth, which is like my case. And since I've been using it, in fact, you know, after I interviewed Rosie, I said, you need to get this for me, for my husband. And so he bought it for me and I've been using it. And I have seen quite a few amazing results. And since then, I also have gifted it to my girlfriend friends. So besides all of these benefits, you'll also become more sensitive rather than numb to pleasure, switching on the vaginal nerve endings to be more receptive to internal orgasms. And it also helps with the lubrication, which particularly can occur for women who have hit menopause. So it's basically for all women, young or old, and think about it as a crossfit for your vagina. Another thing that's included in the goddess kit is the pleasure wand. And the pleasure wand is really a self-pleasure practice rather than, you know, using all these rubber and silicone vibrators to just get it off and it becomes a deeply nourishing practice you can put it under warm water use your favorite lubricant and it can enhance your internal orgasms so girlfriends i highly recommend you check it out go to girlskill.com pleasure and you'll read more about the whole kit and rosie has been very generous to offer a 15 percent discount for the pleasure kit but also you can use it in in her whole store so use girlskill at checkout code girlskill at check out and again go to girlskill.com slash pleasure to find out more about it and now let's jump into this episode hello girlfriends welcome to another episode of girl skill podcast and today i bring you an incredible guest a woman i've been stalking for like half a year because of her travels and her schedule and she's basically my teacher's teacher which is like my teacher i suppose and i've read her book the Wild Woman's Way. So I'm talking about Michaela Boehm. 
who's developed the nonlinear methodology, who's worked for over 20 years in the women's realm. And she's been uh, counseling pretty high-profile celebrities. You know, Will Smith is one of, was one of her clients, I suppose, because he's re- been recommending her, her book. And she's been on Gwyneth Peltro's Goop podcast and just many, many other places. And she's talked with David Data a long time ago. And she's just incredible. I'm also, I, I've also subscribed to her course. And oh, it's just amazing. I'm so excited to interview her. So Michaela Bohm, let, let me read her bio so you get an idea of who she is. So she's uh, she teaches and counsels internationally as, a, as an expert in intimacy and sexuality. Born and raised in Austria, Michaela combines her training in psychology and extensive, clini- extensive clinical counseling experience with her actually in-depth training in the yogic arts and the classical Kashmir tantric lineage holder, which we talked about on the podcast. Michaela's approach empowers her students through an eclectic mix of education, experiential exercises, and guided explorations. Known for her work with high-performing individuals, her ongoing private clients include Oscar-winning actors, as I mentioned, producers, business pioneers, and multiple Grammy-winning musicians. Michaela is the author of Wild Woman's Way, published in August 2018, and she lives on an organic farm in California where she rescues and rehabilitates animals. She has her own podcast, which are like Q&As and recordings and interviews with different people around the world and her workshops in Australia, Europe, and the US. And I just found our conversation incredible. So besides the first part where we talk about, you know, her biggest fear and everything, we really get into the superwoman syndrome, which basically is what we modern women are dealing with today. Too many opportunities overwhelm, like how can we do it all and all of this. So we talked to Michaela about the reasons why and what we can do about this. Of course, we talk about embodiment and getting back to the body, which is the central kind of body of work, Michaela's body of work, and also mine and feminine embodiment coaching. We also talk about you know, the uh, career versus children, what can can we do as women in terms of choosing what to do and how. We talk about rewilding, getting back to our natures and how, in fact, working with the body, getting back to our natural cycle, nature, and getting to know ourselves and our own truth can help us make all these choices and get give, give us tools where we can choose what we want and the opportunities that we want to pursue. And we talk a little bit in the end about David Data and feminine, masculine. I'm still pondering about what Michaela said, but I, I find myself pretty much agreeing with her. Not 100% and everything, but yeah, pretty interesting conversation. Uh, quite a bit intense. And then stand till the end where she recommends a book that she's very passionate about and some of the poetry that actually she listens to. And that's it. All right. Enjoy this episode and uh, I'll see you at the end. Girl Skill. Female success redefined. All right. Today, Girl Skill listeners, we have Michaela Boehm with us, an amazing woman who I've been basically stalking for the last half a year to get her on the podcast. And finally, we're here today. Hi, Michaela. Welcome to Girl Skill. Hello, and thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks for being here. I know you have a super busy schedule between your travels and workshops and teaching. So I'm very humbled and honored to have you today. And as I mentioned to you before, I had a really hard time coming up with questions for you because, you know, when you have someone like you who has, you know, thousands of hours of 
practice and working with people and coaching and workshops and everything and who has such a, a you know body of knowledge and wisdom you're like oh my god what do I ask her we only have an hour and a half <laughs> which sounds long but it's not really you know but let's see where this takes us I think I have a, a few things and then we'll we'll just go with the flow so we'll start with a couple of questions Michaela what is your superpower oh god what is my superpower I'd say multitasking in several dimensions at the same time. Mm, okay. <laughs> Sounds great. What is a book that you plan on reading? I just got a book that I'm incredibly uh, excited about, but haven't even opened yet. It's called Before They Pass Away by Jimmy Nelson. It's a very, very big, fat, beautiful book of a photographer who took photos of all the disappearing tribes of this world. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah, it's an, it's an incredibly beautiful and very, very big and heavy book that I'm reserving for this weekend when uh, I'm off and really look forward to. Oh, I love it. Sounds beautiful. I, I noted it down. We're going to put it in the show notes. Thanks for mentioning it. All right, moving on. What is the one thing that you cannot live without? Uh, my dogs. <laughs> Love it. What is the best gift that you've ever received? Oh, that's a tough one. I've received some absolutely incredible gifts. I'd say probably, do I have to just stick with one? <laughs> no, you can mention a couple. You can mention a few. <laughs> oh, God. That's the, I mean, I've, I, well, you know, you might not know this, but, you know, my house burned down about a yes. year and a couple yes. of months ago. and. Having lost the house, I received a few gifts that were incredibly meaningful to me. And probably one of the most meaningful ones, well, there were two, there was my, one of my clients gave me a chair that was just so beautiful and whimsical. And it had like these embroidered animals on it. And, you know, I had absolutely zero of of anything and it was like this total luxury of a chair and that was a very meaningful gift because it kind of signified kind of the recovery but also you know it wasn't something that I needed it was something that was much bigger than that so that was incredibly meaningful and then in the same period I received clothes from a, a very very dear client of mine who sent me a box of clothes that were not practical. And <laughs> there was something so good about that because for many, many months afterwards, all I had was, you know, um, T-shirts and yoga pants that, I, that could get dirty because everything was dirty and dusty and, you know, I needed to be warm and things like that. And she sent me some really beautiful clothes. There was something so beautiful and wonderful about receiving something that was not just utilitarian in the midst of, you know, that crazy destruction, I'd say. And then I think my all-time favorite gift ever was a metal teapot I received from a friend of mine who is not prone to giving gifts. Uh, let's put it like that. <laughs> and uh, so... I did receive that teapot and I had no idea that I, you know, that I was getting it as a gift and it was uh, both extremely practical because I love tea and it was also something that was out of character and hence very much um, appreciated. Mm, I love it. Amazing. <laughs> I'm just writing it down. I'm like, oh, imagining the tea and the clothes and the chair and 
what's the state now of, of your house and are you rebuilding your house? So I know your house burned down. It was a devastating experience for you. Sorry to hear about that. So where are you now in the process of rebuilding everything? The roof is about to go on, so that's very good. But we're far off uh, there being a house again. So I'd say probably another six to eight months till I'm moved back in. So it's a, it's a long process and it's difficult and, you know, interesting and, of course, very expensive and somewhat nerve-wracking. But at the same time, of course, I bought a house I very much loved, but it was not built by me. So this time around, I get to build something from scratch. As much as that's very difficult to accomplish, it's also very educational and it's certainly going to be absolutely incredible when it's done. <laughs> For sure, yeah. It's amazing how all of these, you know, devastations or whatever happens in life brings opportunity as well. Okay, moving on. Thanks for sharing that. Moving on. What, now let's flip the coin and see what is the best gift that you've ever given, Michaela. Who? <laughs> well, I always give gifts that I want myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's know? a good strategy. I'm, yeah? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always one of those. I buy things that I would very much like myself. So I would think the, the best gift I've ever given a watch that was very special and that meant a lot to me and to them. So I think that is probably one gift that I've given that was really good. And other than that, I give a lot of gifts. You know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a copious gift giver, and it gives me great joy. So, yeah, I think that the watch, though. Okay, all right, beautiful. What is the wildest thing that you've ever done? Ooh, I think that can't be mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go for the PG version of of the wildest things you've ever done. <laughs> I think the PG version would be uh, it involved Paris, two men, and a rooftop. <laughs> okay, love it. Yep. So That's you told, all I'm going to say about okay. that. That's enough, I think, for everyone. Thank, thank you. Yeah. All right, moving on. Who is one person dead or alive that you'd love to have dinner with? Shogyam Trumpa. Mm, who's that? <laughs> Never heard of him. He's a Tibetan Lama. He's no longer alive. Uh, he was one of the people who came to America in the, I believe, 60s. And, uh, well, first he came to England and then he came to America. And uh, he was brilliant and somewhat controversial. And I would certainly enjoy dinner with him, should it ever come uh, to pass mm -hmm, <laughs> in mm -hmm. his next incarnation, perhaps. <laughs> next incarnation, yes. All right, moving on to a bit more serious questions. Michaela, what is your biggest fear? Uh, I think not being able to give all the things I still want to give because, you know, circumstances are such that I can't. So either, you know, health or political circumstances or climate circumstances or, you know, things of that nature, oppression, however you want to f say it, so that feeling of not being able to give the things, you know, I'm passionate about giving. Mm, yeah, for sure. Moving on now, what is femininity for you? Well, in the classical sense, I think femininity is kind of the feeling, the joyous expression of one's, as a woman, right? And I have to say it that way. Somebody else, you know, 
who identifies differently would say different. But to me, it's the enjoyment of my body as a, a woman's body and an enjoyment um, of the engagement with my body and nature and, you know, all the colors and textures and flavors of my experience as a part of nature. That's what femininity means to me personally. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm going to ask you one question that you have come up yourself and are asking women in your workshops. So this is not my question. This is Michaela's own questions. What is your unguarded heart yearn for? I think that it's very similar to what I said with the fear, right? My unguarded heart yearns for the kind of depth of connection that allows for a very full giving and also, of course, receiving, but that kind of very open, vast, free-falling intimacy that goes both ways. Beautiful. Thank you. And Michaela, do you consider yourself successful and why? (laughs) Yes, I do. Well, there's layers of success, right? I would say that as far as what I thought I would do with my life, I've achieved the things I wanted to do in my life and surpassed uh, essentially all of them in one way or another. So from that viewpoint, I've been successful in my endeavors. I would say that as far as running my own life and running my own business and having the kind of creation and ability I have, I consider myself successful. From the viewpoint of having written the book and put it out, that was a big deal because how do you condense kind of a a lifetime so far into something? I would say yes. But I think the things that I, I consider success at this particular moment in time are more around finding real good expression for myself, of myself, and the ability to connect deeper with people and in a more meaningful way. And also so far, and you know, you always have to be careful what you're saying here, because it, you know, so far I've been able to meet the pretty extreme challenges that the last few years have brought with, you know, some humor and resilience So more resilience than humor, I should say, in the beginning. (laughs) So I think from that viewpoint, I would consider myself successful in the sense that I'm able to navigate life so far. And that's why I'm saying you'll be very careful because it can, (laughs) you know, it can Mm -hmm. always get a lot more intense. You know, bigger sense or in in a more commonly... uh, seen view of success, I would say yes. Awesome. And last question of this segment is on a scale of one to 10, Michaela, how excited are you about life right now and why? Oh God, definitely a a 10 or an 11. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm kind of in an interesting spot simply because I'm in my 50s now, I'm 51. And um, that's uncharted territory. I mean, entirely uncharted territory. And some of it is pretty gruesome you know, like aging and hormones and stuff like that. It's it's quite challenging. But at the same time, there are some really interesting aspects of life that I'm exploring currently that I've really never had a chance to explore that are really, really exciting. And, you know, I am building a new house from scratch and completely reclaiming my land. And I've had a 
a whole bunch of new workshops and, and offerings out there. I'm working on the next book. It's spring and I'm planting stuff. You know, like, I mean, there's so much happening that just makes me very, very excited. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You know, in the recent interviews that I had, I keep interviewing women who are going through menopause. And menopause is a subject that's, I don't know, just keeps popping up. And I was wondering, like, what does that mean? And I, I start asking questions uh, to these women, like, how can we, you know, I'm 30 now. How can I prepare myself for this? Because as we're young, obviously, we don't think about all of that. We're like, yeah, whatever. That's going to happen one day. I don't need to think about it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, I've been pondering about this. Anyways, maybe we'll get into this a little bit. We'll see. Okay, now is the time, Michaela, to please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do. <laughs> who am I and what do I do? Well, I am um, a, a million things. And uh, <laughs> there's something really fun about that, meaning I have a, a background that includes a very long and in-depth counseling career. I've done over 40,000. Um, I've run a rehab. I've worked um, uh, very extensively in the realms of uh, somatic uh, and trauma um, counseling and healing. I've developed a somatic movement method. I have a background in a very specific female tantric lineage of which I'm now the lineage holder. And I'm a hobby organic farmer. I rescue animals. I teach workshops all over the world uh, in the realms of relationship, sexuality, women's empowerment, embodiment. And I wrote a book called The Wild Woman's Way. And I'm about to write a second one. That's that's a lot, I think. <laughs> yes, that's plenty. Uh, wow. And I'm also, as I mentioned to, to you, Michaela, before, I've read the book. I find it brilliant. And it's almost like providing. And I think, you know, when I was reading the first chapters, I was like, yes, this is the, in fact, like, this is what my mission is for girls skill to, you know, to ask women questions and to find this answer, like, what do we do? What do we do as women in the modern world? Because there's so many pressures um, and so many things and, you know, the tabloids and everyone is telling us that we can do it all, but in fact, we can't, or at least not at once. And so this book has been a pretty amazing manual uh, or, you know, a roadmap or a guide map, so to say, for me personally, in terms of how do I navigate this world as this modern woman who has, and I, you write about this, today we have so many opportunities Communities, uh, you know, we're not there yet, obviously, but as a Western woman, you have everything that you want pretty much or have all the opportunities to get there. So I love the book, highly recommend. We're going to put it in the show notes. It's called The Wild Woman's Way. And I've also enrolled in your course, Michaela, and hopefully I'm going to get to your workshops pretty soon this year or next year, because having a baby and going to all of these workshops is not ideal. But anyways, yeah, so I've been uh, finding your work really interesting and I've been listening and you have an amazing podcast as well that mostly are, I think, recordings from your workshop. So a lot of the stuff that you put out there is actually for free that everybody can listen to. And I really, really appreciate that you answer questions and just provide and give so much already. And the fact that you're on this podcast with me just shows that, uh, you know, you're passionate about spreading the message and sharing your wisdom and your work. 
I find it really interesting that actually you hold a tantric lineage. And in fact, I have a tantra enthusiast or a devotee, a girlfriend of mine. And I mentioned your name and she said, yeah, yeah, I know Michaela. And so I find it fascinating that you kind of blend the two worlds, you know, because I like, you know, people have all these misconceptions about tantra and somehow you blend this world of Tantra and Tantric lineage together with, you know, being a psychologist, so to say, or coach or embodiment, a counselor. And in fact, you know, I was listening to one of your interviews where you said when you were 12, I think you were given this gift of the mists of Avalon. So I bought this book, Michaela, and I think I went through like 30% of it. It's so long. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I want to be a high priestess and, uh, you know, all of this. So you've inspired me to, to read this book. I still have to finish. Finish it. So my question here is, tell me a little bit more about in your work, how the, you know, because you hold this tantric lineage, which is really interesting, but you also are very kind of down to earth and providing practical things to women today and combining all of these two worlds that seem very different, but when you really think about it, they're not. So t tell us a bit more, how are you able to intertwine and how I guess one thing helped the other providing, you know, tools and resources for women today? Well, you know, I think that the way Tantra is perceived in the West is not the way I was taught or the way I hold it. And of course, everybody claims that their, you know, their faction is the right faction. And there's people who are really into the written, you know, transmission from one book to, you know, to the next scholar and so on. And then there's, you know, like all the neo-tantric things where it's a essentially about sex, which is really an, only a teeny, tiny little aspect of a much bigger conversation. And the way I was taught and the way I teach are very similar in the sense that it is about meeting life head on, so to speak, right? And being able to flourish and immerse in life and see everything in your life as sacred and treated as sacred, even if it's incredibly mundane or exactly because it's incredibly mundane. And that the, uh, the ability to be with life as life is and be intimate with the sensations in your body and the feelings and emotions that arise allows you to kind of from the inside out expand. And there's no concept of there being something wrong or you being wrong or you being insufficient. There's just the expanding and creating capacity for the sake of expressing more life through the body. And so the reason why what I do is extremely practical is that to me, that kind of engagement happens in everyday life. If you have to do a special thing and dress a special way and have a special ritual, you're taking yourself out of life. And dogma and, you know, being a certain something so that you don't have to feel something, so the bypassing, right, the spiritual bypassing, is kind of the exact opposite of the way I was taught and the way I teach. Is you go in, you know, you go into it, and the only way through uh, out is through, so to speak, <laughs> and not by skipping ahead and thinking that you're that you're incredibly spiritual because you do some sitting on somebody else's lap, waving your hands in the air. That might be the case, but you know far, far from the line where where you're actually capable and able to be with yourself 
in a very kind of down-to-earth, gritty kind of a way. And I personally think that if you can't integrate the things you're doing on a, let's say, growth and spiritual domain, if that doesn't actually positively affect your life, then that's probably not the thing to engage in. Mm, I see. So is this the aspect of Tantra that you've been the lineage holder of that you bring in into your, let's say, more of a down-to-earth psychology or counseling work? This ability to, you know, expand and be with the body and take life as is. And so I'm more I'm more curious about this female female lineage. Is is the embodiment work that you teach and practice come from the tantric, you know, your tantric background? Yes and no. And I would say yes and no because the the learning about the body, right, and the the feeling the channels in the body and being aware of where in the body energy needs to sit in order for the body to function for the things you want it to function. For instance, pleasure, right, requires an aliveness in the lower body, while writing a book requires aliveness in the head, for instance, right? So that I did learn from my first teacher. And then from there, it developed into my own explorations around these things because I led a very busy life and um, I did a lot of hours of seeing clients and, and things like that where I had to really work with my own body. And my teacher also taught me very specific you know, uh, engagement in the realms of deity yoga, where you, you know, essentially learn how to merge with a female deity and then later merge with a male deity and then, you know, visualize and, and merge in union. So there are sexual aspects to it, but there are first visualizations and embodiment practices and devotional practices. And I learned that from my teacher and then I developed it into the practices I teach now via doing them, right? And changing them for what I needed or developing them so I could teach them in public. Um, or, you know, a lot of the things that I'm teaching nowadays are adaptations so that women who don't want to do deity yoga or who are not particularly interested in the spiritual aspect can benefit in the realms of their pleasure and their intuition and their personal power. And so a lot of what I teach is, is uh, really my own inquiries that come partly from my teacher and partly from other people and partly from what I've you know developed myself over the years. But everything I teach are things that I also do. So, you know, for instance, you now in the online course – all the things that, that are in the online course are things that I actually still do. And I think that's very, very important because I feel particularly with the book and the online course, those things are road tested by me. Right? They're not theories that sound really great and are very aspirational, but they're things that have helped me through the death of you know, my teaching partner, my first teaching partner through, you know, business breakups, through, uh, you know, the fire, through, through all kinds of pretty crazy stuff. And that's what I'm really, really passionate about, that the tantric aspect has to be integrated into life so that life's fullness for a woman, particularly, that's very important, so that your body 
can reflect and express life's fullness versus shrinking back and being beaten down by life. And that's, that's the key to having a live sexuality and sensuality is that you can actually hold what comes at you. And the more capacity you have, the more pleasure you have, of course. And that's very important to me. We're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> I just have one more question about this. I'm curious, Kayla, what does the, so you, since you're the lineage holder, what does that require of you in terms of, you know, you hold, and I know you've been passed that down from your teacher before she unfortunately passed away. What does that inquire of, uh, require of you? And also, are you looking or are you entitled to, I suppose, to pass this lineage on? Like, are you looking for a devotee or a student to pass this on to another woman or how do <laughs> Does that work? Yes and no. So so I, I should say it like this. I've been given the lineage and, of course, given the lineage, I spent 10 years studying with this woman in, in a fairly uh, strong and, and consistent way. And then I, moved, I took an enormous detour. And I talk about this in the book, right? And I kind of lost a lot of things in working in different contexts and with different people who had a very different philosophy than uh, my original. And when she died, it really, really upended my life in a certain way. There was a confluence of a few events, one of which my previous teaching partner had already died. And it's very surprising when I reconnected with her because I wasn't in much contact with her for quite a few years. And then I uh, was in a set of circumstances where things were shifting fairly rapidly. And when I reached the lineage, I kind of, I was just sad she was gone because I was really kind of coming back to many of the things she had taught me in my own work and in my practices. And I wasn't really quite clear on what that meant. And then my current teaching partner, Steve, started asking questions, you know, and, and asking similar questions to what you asked, which was, uh, what does this actually mean? You know, what 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 are the requirements and and what are you going to do? And then it occurred to me that, oh, shit, right? Unless I find successors, success, a successor or successors, the vast knowledge that I have been given and benefited from and given to people in, you know, minor ways would be lost. And so the answer is absolutely yes. I am actively giving that knowledge to people who want it. But I'm doing it in a few different ways. One of the interesting things about the way I was taught and the way that particular information has been passed down is that it goes from woman to woman and it goes and it's considered a living lineage in the sense that each person who takes it kind of imparts it through their chosen vehicle. So for instance, my teacher was a housewife, but her teacher was a choir master. So she taught choir in a boarding school and she essentially imparted the preliminary things, you know, a certain kind of an emptiness, 
a, a devotional aspect, but there are certain aspects that you start out with through singing. Now I can't sing for shit, so um, <laughs> and I already had an established career both in counseling and teaching. So one of the things that Steve was really instrumental in back then was that he essentially oriented me towards the giving of that lineage. And so we started having teacher trainings and we also started doing these study groups I now do. There's one starting in, in Australia, but I know you can't. With I saw your five months old, by the way, and she's adorable. <laughs> oh, thank so you. I know why you can't get away. But so we do study groups. And in the study groups, I actually teach. And then at the end of year one, I give a, a piece of, it's, it's kind of a transmission piece of a certain kind of a movement practice. And then in the second year, I actually teach the some of the mainstay practices of my lineage in an attempt to give as much of what I can give in a wide way so that there is a chance for people who are really wanting to go there to find it and then to engage deeper, right? And then to practice with it. So I kind of figured there's, you know, several ways to do this and, and well, I should say I was kicking and screaming. Steve was the one who figured there were several ways of doing it. And then I kind of went on board with it where essentially part of that is available to anyone who comes in the form of embodiment work I do in the form of actual women's practice, right? And some of the things that are in the wild woman's way are very strongly influenced by uh, what my teacher taught me. And then a whole bunch of other stuff is just uh, my my practice and my experience applied to a greater picture. But um, I also have a few people that are have been around now for four or five years and that are, you know, getting deeper and deeper into it in the context of coming to the study groups and 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 you know doing things. So yes, it's open and yes, I am giving of it and I'm looking for people who are really willing to engage. And it's not one of those things where you sign up to be a disciple. That never works. Uh, and that's also not, you know, it's not very, it's not very pleasant that way. But if you are interested and if you are willing to practice, I am here. And that's, this is all I'm doing, right? So found a lot easier than, you know, even five or six years ago. Yeah, for sure. And now you have the benefit of technology, right? Like you just released an online course and, you know, if somebody can't come to the workshop like me at this moment in time, you know, I can take your course, for example, and that would qualify, for example, for year one, and then I can join like year two, your study groups and everything. So yeah, that's amazing. You're you're using, you're passing down the knowledge, as you said, in the way that you can and is available to you. And now with online, you can do so much more and expand the reach and all that. All right. You know, and that was, I want to say something about that because that's very strongly related to what you just asked. I was quite resistant to that, really feeling like it had to be in person. And then I realized that within the context of what we just talked about, it can be done and it can be done well uh, because I can, I can layer it much more detailed in an online format than I previously was able to do. And so 
you know, to a certain degree, then there are some things you have to do live. But all the beginning, all these six months on in the online course, it's a lot. And if people do that, they get a really, really big slice of my practice and of my work in one course. And I've been advised, you know, to take 80% of what's in that course out because it's too comprehensive. Um, but I don't care because I have endless material what I'm giving that much, right? There's so much more. And I really, really want anyone who is anywhere in the world wants to do it, have the things I can give them and not, you know, give it by the spoonful. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's perfect for someone like me. I love the physical element of being intimate in a workshop and I'll definitely do that. But in my situation, like this is great because I can learn from you, Michaela. And you have already so much free material, but then, you know, when you're in the course, you're actually getting deeper and deeper. So that's a great opportunity for me, you know, because I can't come, but also for many, many women out there who actually can't come to the workshops in general. So yeah, awesome. Hi, girlfriends. So sorry to interrupt this awesome episode on Girl Skill, but I quickly wanted to jump in and tell you about Magellan TV, who's the sponsor of Girl Skill Podcast. And I'm highly, highly excited to be recommending them. And if you know me, you know that I would never recommend something that I wouldn't use myself or I wouldn't like. So let me tell you about them. Magellan TV is a new type of documentary streaming provider determined to bring you the finest documentaries from around the globe. And it's actually built by documentary filmmakers. Me and my husband have signed up for a trial and we've already watched a couple of documentaries like he really loved the one on North Korea and like cyber attacks and all of that. Magellan actually has the playlist on women in history, breaking barriers. And so I watched a documentary on Nadia Comaneci, who was an Romanian Olympian medalist. I watched the series on Ekaterina the Great and many more and I really love it. And, you know, if you're looking for an alternative to Netflix, because sometimes I do, I'm like so tired of all these silly TV shows or sometimes I can't find any Thing. I mean, this is a great, great alternative while you watch something, but you also learn a lot. So the documentaries on Magellan TV can be watched anytime, anywhere. You know, they're streamed without interruptions, meaning no ads. They're compatible with iOS and Android devices and all of that. They offer documentary movies and series and exclusive playlists and genres include history, science, space, nature, and more. So highly recommend you go check it out. And they actually are offering an exclusive two-month trial for free free to anyone who's interested at MagellanTV.com slash GirlSkills. So it's M-A-G-E-L-L-A-N-TV.com slash GirlSkill. And the link is in the show notes already. So go ahead, check it out, sign up for a free trial for two months. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain, you know, watching documentaries, learning a lot. All right, now back to the episode. All right, let's move on and getting to my favorite subject, which I loved from the book. And I think if I would take one or two key things, this this would be one of them. It's the superwoman syndrome. And I just see this as the title for our episode because <laughs> it's such a powerful title. And, you know, I have a webinar also about this. I call it maybe like, I call it like the lie of female success. And uh, But I'll let you tell us all about it because as soon as I read it, I'm like, this is it. You know, you've, you've beautifully summarized it. And I found myself resonating with a lot of this. And it kind of also gave me, and I think all the leaders permission to just release some of the pressure that has been put on us as women today. So tell us about the superwoman syndrome and what it is and what can we do about it today as modern women? <laughs> 
or super women. <laughs> As super women. Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, we kind of, it was kind of uh, interesting because the superwoman syndrome is something that I started calling it because I worked with so many women having it. And I certainly know what it's like for myself, right? And it's that, that moment when you realize that you have all these options, and you want to have them all in a certain way, right? And that's not possible. And that becomes extremely difficult. So there is, you know, um, essentially career goals we have and money goals we have and relationship requirements. And we want a spiritual life and um, a community or a tribe or a social context children perhaps right maybe many children and the freedom to travel and 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 all of that's theoretically possible and because it's theoretically possible and we and we see this is also something that's new right we have more and more now role models in all of those domains it didn't used to be that you could see women do the things you wanted to do, but now we can see it, not only because it's available, but because there's social media and, you know, the internet and all kinds of things. So we are drenched in opportunity. And as a result of that, we're often incredibly overwhelmed. We never were taught how to have it all because that was never available. You know, that's only been a fairly recent phenomenon. And like you said earlier, and I say in my book, we're not there all the way, but we certainly have had more than ever before in recorded history, at least. And so what happens in the superwoman syndrome is we're trying to do it all. And as a result of that, we lose contact with our body. All our energy goes up. We get neck aches, shoulder aches, you know, TMJ, meaning, you know, a tight jaw, clenching at night, you know, that intense pressure in the head, the disconnect from the body, our pleasure suffers, we no longer have desire. You know, some women experience just loss of uh, life force when they're always tired or they gain weight or they, you know, they lose touch with their intuition. They can't find a partner, you know. So so it, it the, the entire superwoman syndrome then fans out and ripples out into all areas of our lives because we're trying to juggle way too many things without having tools to do so. So the good news is that, you know, rewilding, which is kind of a, a term that's used in different contexts, but I use it as, uh, you know, coming back to the wild woman, meaning the part of us that's could connected to nature, right? The part of us that's connected to our nature, that knows who we are. And then that's also connected to nature in the bigger sense, our rhythms, our cycles, the natural cycles and rhythms. And then in the ultimate sense, the plugging in to the wealth of knowledge of the, the world wide web of wild women, so to speak, right? Where you get to benefit from the collective knowledge of women through the ages by reconnecting with the body, by rewilding towards the body. And so the body becomes the vehicle of not only intuition and pleasure and power, but it also connects us with a much vaster knowledge than we by ourselves can hold. And that, so the wild woman in a certain way, in a wild woman's way, was kind of my antidote 
to the superwoman syndrome because I realized that when I was connected to my body and when I connected other women to their bodies, they could make the proper decisions as to what to pick and choose and what to eliminate and what was just societal pressure or familial pressure or internal pressure and what was actually true. And then from that place, you can choose when to do what, and you can also learn how to be with your body and inhabit your body in a way that you can switch between modes, so to speak. So you can have the career and make the money and still have a fulfilling relationship or pleasure and or pleasure, right? Um, that's possible, but you have to know that you have to switch back and forth between different modes. Mm -hmm. So let me just summarize it real quick, just so that we, we understand what you're talking about. So basically the superwoman syndrome is, this, as, you, as you described, I think it's beautiful. We're drenched in opportunity. Obviously not all women, but I think women in the West are, and we're overwhelmed and we don't have the tools to, to like deal with this all, to juggle all of this. And we promised, and I love what you're saying, like we're seeing role models and I think you call it lifestyle porn, where, <laughs> where we see all these women around the world just on social media, like doing it all. And then you feel inadequate or like not enough, like what's wrong with me that I can't freaking do it all. And so one of the solutions or the solution actually is rewilding uh, what you found out, Mikhail, and you shared in your practices and in the book and workshops is coming back to our bodies, coming back to our nature, to the wild woman, tapping into this pretty much the archetype, which through, you know, through my reading and research is basically this collective unconscious that we tap into. And when we tap back into our body and our cycles and rhythms, we come back to our truth. And therefore, when we listen to ourselves, what's important to us, perhaps we can prioritize and choose and then switch between modes and priorities in the right way. Is that, am I on the right track? Yeah, absolutely. So then how do we do that? <laughs> like what's, because I know in the book you write, and I found it, like I resonated with this because you said, you know, if you're a career woman and you want children, well, I'm sorry, but the reality is you can't have it all at the same time, which is true. You know, I'm dealing with this at the moment. So tell us more about this. Like, how do we as modern women have it? Well, not have it all, but I guess maybe in different stages of life. And how do we not feel frustrated by not being able to, you know, because I know a lot of women, like I'm part now of uh, mom's groups and so many women struggle. And I know you're familiar with it, Michaela. And like, what do I do? Because I want to be with my baby, especially in the first year. But then, oh my God, I'm losing all these years. And perhaps even, you know, the, the pay gap becomes bigger because I stay home with my child. So what would you say to all of these women or the ones that are still waiting to get there? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there there's some there's some really big considerations that we as women have to have and that's not a popular thing to say, but somebody's got to say it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because, because there's some unfortunate truths and one of the unfortunate truths is that as far as conception and birth, right, the longer you wait, the harder it gets. And not everyone wants to have IVF and, uh, you know, uh, buy an egg from someone else. And all of those things are available, thankfully, right? So a lot more women nowadays can have children who couldn't before. But 
But the sad truth is, and we were talking earlier about you, you've been interviewing women who are going into menopause or perimenopause, right? The sad thing is it ends at some point. And the interesting thing is for me personally, I would say that I'm now probably at the very height of my sexual development or expression, right? But I'm also having to deal with, you know, the hormones and the, 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 the aging aspect and all of those kind of things. So there's a certain kind of a window during which you can have children specifically, right? And then within that window, of course, the problem is that that's also usually the, the, the time where you're supposed to really build your career. And that's a really tough one for a lot of women. Uh, and a lot of women I work with, you know, and, and there's women who can't have the nanny and the husband stay home and, or they do want to be with their own children. And for instance, I didn't have children because I was raised by my mother who was a stay-at-home mother who was unbelievably great. I just a really good mother. And so I didn't want to have any other set of circumstances for my children. Hence, I didn't have children. Because I couldn't possibly imagine somebody else raising my kids while I'm out there working. But that's not true for anybody else. And there is, I know people who have uh, really successful uh, arrangements with nannies and family and husbands staying home for periods of time. But the important piece here is to, to know that developing a career can happen at any time. And more and more so now that we, you know, we can work remotely and there's a lot more entrepreneurial things out there and you can pretty much create your own wild job if you wanted to, right? I mean, who knew about Instagram personalities, you know, even 10 years ago or, or people who have travel channels on YouTube or, you know, I mean, there is such wild and, and crazy ways to fulfill your life's purpose, so to speak, right? But there is the hard uh, truth of having to make a living and having to have children while that's, you know, a biological possibility. And so when we look at the superwoman syndrome, we look at having too many options. The important piece on that level is to feel what are you when, when all else falls away, what is it that you want to have happened in your life? When you look back on your life, are you going to regret that you didn't raise your own children, right? Or are you going to regret not having children? Or are you going uh, to regret that you didn't take the high-profile job, right? Or you lost the high-profile job because you wanted to stay home. And that's an individual exploration that no, you know, no two women are alike, I think the important piece here is, uh, and that's why I'm so adamant on the body, right? You said, how do we do it? Well, how we do it is, and how do can we do multiple things? Because I know lots of women who have a career and a baby. And yes, you have to step it back a bit. Uh, and that's only good and right, both from the viewpoint of your body having to recover and the bonding aspect, right? I mean, one of the I mean, we don't need to talk about attachment and attachment theory. It's super important. And people who don't do that are really, really missing out on doing something good for their children for the entire lifetime, you know. 
So the, the important piece is that you are connected to all aspects of you. And what that means is not only the head and the intellect, but also the body and the emotions. So that when you make decisions, they are made from a holistic place for one. But the same at the same time, being in your body and being embodied and using your body to its maximum effect, so to speak. And a woman's body has incredible power and stamina because you know, in the cave days and before then, you had to stay awake. You couldn't fall asleep, right, when your children were up because they'd fall down the back of the cave or be eaten by a wild animal. So when you actually connect with your body properly, you get loads and loads and loads of extra energy and, you know, stamina and and uh, power. And so by being in the body and connecting with the body, we can we not only can make decisions that are good for us but we can power multiple layers of inquiry at the same time and multiple layers of of expression at the same time and you know you were asking me in the very beginning what's my superpower and i essentially said i can run many 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 different things at the same time and that has to do with the fact that i'm using the strength and power of my body and my intuition for all of those things. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't get tired or things like that, but I have everything available. So I can actually run my business, write a book, and still go out in the vegetable garden and travel and be in different time zones and have a meaningful relationship and, and those kind of things because it's possible. Women can do that, but you have to know how to manage your energy levels and your body and you have to know what's actually true for you versus buying into some kind of an ideal that's not yours right you can't have an aspirational baby as you well know right yes oh you know when i i, I had a i had a i had a segment in the book that my publisher the woman who read my book violently objected to saying that it was condescending and what it was was in the children's section in the in the you know uh, the consideration mm -hmm. of having children in the book i had a list of sentences that if you have ever uttered i suggested you go and see a counselor before you get pregnant and she thought that was the most horrible and condescending thing and so i had to take it out but i actually don't think so because i know people who have said things like oh, it's just so great to dress a baby and all my friends have babies or, well, if I get pregnant, he'll stay with me or, yeah. well, how, yeah. you know, how hard can it be? I mean, there's always nannies. Uh, I mean, there's certain things that when you are not clear about your motivations and you just look at somebody who has the, the, the perfect body, the perfect man and now the perfect baby, you're in for a rude awakening. It's not easy and it's not even easy for some of my celebrity clients who have nannies and housekeepers and chefs. They're as tired, they're as hormonal, they, they suffer from postpartum like any other woman and that's just the way it is. And when you have a baby, there's a certain kind of sacrifice you make. You become a living sacrifice. You feed the developing fetus from your body and then you feed your baby from your body and 
you know, you sacrifice your sleep and your well-being and your personal likes and dislikes for the sake of that infant, right? And often your personal life and your romantic life and everything else to be <laughs> with. I'm I'm in it as you speak. My yeah. husband is now in another room and my infant is crying at the moment and I'm sitting oh, here no. and doing my podcast. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah, but well, we can always take a break and you can, you know, deal with that and we'll oh, come thank back. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm blessed to have a capable husband who can uh, deal with the infant <laughs> while but I planned it really well. You know, I fed her before and all of this. So I guess precise instructions and yeah I mean what, yeah. what you're saying is is true like I've been in it and you know Michaela in the last I mean obviously I gave birth and it was transformational for me and I had to really sit down with myself and really get you know motherhood changed me in so many different ways and levels and like obviously I embodied myself a lot more because I gave birth and for me I realized that you know I even reframed this whole idea of an unfortunate truth and, un and a sad truth biologically. And I just realized that, gosh, you know, my job or what, and I'm that, that type of a woman that is in a crazy, wild arrangement. You know, I work online, I do coaching online, so I don't have to go to a job. I, I was location dependent for a few years before the baby came in. But for me, I now realize that, you know, the job will always be there and I crave self-fulfillment and intellectual stimulation. And therefore, I do this after, you know, two months Like after I had the baby, after two months, I already was ready to go. But I know my priorities in my body. You know, I I am so much more fulfilled because I'm a mother now. And I know it, it is my personal preference. But instead of looking at this as an, like, this is so unfortunate and sad and now I have to blah, blah, blah. I actually found, you know, what an honor. What a gift I am. What a gift I am of a woman to do this, you know, instead of being like, oh, my God, I'm losing so much. I actually had to make not peace necessarily, but in full acceptance of my body, you know, my cycle. I'm actually missing my period. I'm like, when is my period going to come now? So, yeah, for me, that was the key to actually really honor this and say, well, you know what? I'm just going to take a year. Everything's going to slow down, but I'm okay with this. And I find this a, a gift to be able to give life and like it's just magic for me it's still magical you know that a human came out of my body and now she's growing into this child <laughs> you know yeah so let's talk a bit and I know we're coming to the end soon so let's talk about rewilding and how could so we we got to the point where okay it's in the body once you get to working with the body you tap into this vast amount of power and energy. And I love what you're saying about this because this is the answer. And I'm, you know, I'm coaching the feminine embodiment, which you also kind of, you know, you are in a way my teacher's teacher. So this is all connected. So it's all a lineage in a way. <laughs> so let's talk about rewilding and getting back to the body. And maybe you can share with us some practices or maybe some practical things we can do. I know you teach this in your course, but maybe give us a bit more information. And I know from your book, you say there are four major aspects to rewilding or tapping back into our natures, which is embodiment, sensitization, relaxation, and release. So tell us more about that, if possible. Yeah. You said the three key things, right? There's resensitizing, which is the becoming aware of the signals the body always sends, right? The body is always talking. It's always letting us know if things are okay or not and how things are around us. But we can't always listen. 
And one of the reasons we can listen is overwhelm or overstimulation. And the other one is numbing through, you know, trauma or chronic stress, things that make it so that we're, you know, we're too much in our heads. We can't feel our body anymore. And hence we can listen to the signals of the body. So resensitizing there's many, many ways to do that. And I've, you know, the entire last part of the book is just exercises around those things. But some of the easiest resensitizing practices are, and the one that I always give to anyone who ever starts with me is move to one song a day. And that sounds super easy and it should be super easy. Otherwise you won't do it. <laughs> and so moving to one song a day is not dancing uh, to one song a day, but it's moving with whatever you're feeling. And so the key is to just put a piece of music on and then close your eyes and feel your body. And as you feel your body, just move with whatever you're feeling. So maybe there's a little bit of pain in the lower back. So you move as the pain in the lower back and with the pain in the lower back. And then you feel some kind of a, you know, joy from the music. So you move as joy for a moment. And then you notice that you feel really, really stressed. So you move as stress and then you get really tired. So you move as fatigue and so on and so on. So you translate what you can feel into movement. And often women report that in the beginning, all they can feel is numbness, which of course you can move as numbness, right? And that of course, sensitizes you to what you're actually feeling, which is numb. So you're not feeling nothing, you're feeling numb, and that's a sensation. So you can't do this wrong. And very, very quickly, what happens is you become super clued in to what you're feeling. And that not only helps with pleasure and intuition, but it also helps with boundary setting, and it reconnects you with the messages of your body. So that's kind of the number one rewilding practice that I give anybody. And then relaxation helps with the sensitization because the tighter the body is, then the less you can feel. It's like this extra layer or tension. And also the tighter the body is, the less responsive the body is and the more is stuck in the body. And so those are two aspects. And then the last one you mentioned was release. And release is essentially an entire section where you can flush out everything from old trauma to unexamined emotions to, you know, experiences that you've never really dealt with, uh, you know, the bad traffic from this morning, it can all leave the body if you give the body a chance to actually move. And so moving what you're feeling also has the aspect of release because you're actually releasing stuff that's stuck. And relaxation has the aspect of release because that's the, you know, stuff gets stuck. And so the nonlinear movement method, which is something I developed and teach is essentially a way where you allow your body to release. And when you do that ongoingly, and if you need a lot of release, right, and because you had severe trauma, then it's useful to also do body work and psychotherapy and trauma therapy. You know, there's, there's layers of release. But at some point when you become current with your body, then what happens is that 
whatever happens in that moment can be processed free of you know a lot of the baggage from before and then you can actually make choices around your life and having children or not or your career or not or one man versus another man from a place of current like a freshness and that then is an actual choosing of these things versus choosing based on you know, stuck patterns and stuck things of the past. And of course, the benefits to all of what we're talking about is that your body becomes alive and with that pleasure comes alive and intuition comes alive and your personal power comes online. And so there's all of these things have massive benefits. So I can highly, highly, highly recommend just moving to one song a day. One of the things my teacher always said is the best practice is the one you do. And so it's not the aspirational practice where you spend hours doing something, but you just stand up with a song a day or you get on your hands and knees with one song a day. And the accumulation of that time over a short period of time makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I have definitely seen the benefits of what you're talking about because I've been moving to one song a day for maybe a year, almost daily. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but I've been so much more into my body and feeling it and such really, like I've, I've seen all the benefits and I'm coaching and, you know, feminine embodiment as well. And I see it in women when they get in touch with that truth that's deep inside of all of us. And it's like, ah. Oh. Yes, <laughs> you know, so that's amazing. Thank you so much, Michaela, for sharing that. And I know a lot of more practices, as you mentioned, are in your book or in your course. So I wanted to ask one last question before we move into the people and the tools and resources. So, so the point is to get into your body and that's how you know you tap into this online world I wanted to ask your opinion, Michaela, on something not related to this. What do you think? Because I know <laughs> I got to ask you about this. I know you've been teaching with David Data or like traveling, and I'm a big fan of David Data. And this is where my confusion was because I know that now you're not. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this. In David Data's book, which is The Way of the Superior Man, which is, I resonated with it so much and it really stuck inside of me and still stuck inside of me. And sometimes when I hear about your teachings, I think that's why I get conflicted. So I was I was very um, much interested in talking to you about this because, you know, in, in his book, and David Data says that basically 80% or majority of women would identify with a feminine essence, and then majority of men would identify with a masculine essence. And this is how we build polarity and all of this. And I saw this true in my relationships and in so many women I talk to and even coach and all of that. But you have kind of a different approach to this. So I've been very conflicted, you know, since this when, when I heard you mention this, I something was... I don't know. I just felt weird. And for days, I kept thinking about this and moving, moving this through my body, moving what I'm feeling, like what the hell's going on? And I've even like questioned what I'm doing. And I know this is good. You know, this is like expansion. But still, I wanted to talk to you about this. Like, how did you maybe move from that to this? Or like, what is your opinion or belief about this? So, so do you not believe that most women identify with the feminine essence anymore? Or how does that work? <laughs> okay, well, there, there's so much in there. I don't even know where to start. I don't think that there is an actual, well, I don't think there's a feminine essence. And, you know, like you said, I spent 
uh, I don't know, 12 or 13 years co-teaching with David. And, and I certainly, you know, appreciate, you know, the work he does, but I have, I don't know how to say that. I have my doubts that some of it is useful. And here is why. For myself and for the people I work with and the way I teach, I have found that by, and this is not his fault, this is how people interpret stuff, right? I have found that by over-identifying with those concepts, people's entire lives are infused with something which is really only useful for the sexual domain. And I personally find it pretty offensive that I have to consider myself in those kind of very, you know, kind of black and white terms where certain activities of mine are considered feminine and certain activities of mine are considered masculine by other people. And I don't think there is such thing as a feminine essence because the way I was taught originally, and when you look at the original tantric teachings, it is, it is assumed that every human has equal Shiva and Shakti, meaning has equal masculine and feminine. And so within a human being, there's driving forces towards the go, right? The getting shit done and uh, accomplishing things and having a purpose and having a say in their lives. And then there's the flow, right? Where the, the emotion and the flow of words and the flow of love between two people and the, you know, the engagement in life and being through life is possible. And each human being has 50-50 of that because otherwise you wouldn't function. What I believe is that we have a sexual preference and that can be very strong. So I would say that I'm very, very um, strong on the feminine aspect of things when it comes to my sexual behavior or my sexual preference. And so what that means is that when I want to be sexually engaged, and that could mean actual intercourse or the play in the erotic domain, I want to be the one who can relax and go a bit mindless and flow and uh, be led and enjoy pleasure and bring life to the occasion. And I want the person I'm with to be the one who knows where it's going. But that doesn't mean that I can't run my own life and that I can't kick ass and take names later in my work life and that I can't make the money I want to make or make the decision I want to make. That to me is extremely offensive in the, in the realm of empowerment, right? I mean, I'm a woman and yes, sexually I want to surrender, but that doesn't mean I'm some crazed bimbo fucking up my man at all times unless he's perfect because you know give me a break i've seen people go through workshops who were where the men were incredibly rigid and the women were borderline or not so borderline abusive because they made their entire life about something that's actually for the relational sexual domain and so that's not to say that these are not good concepts as a way to feel yourself, but I was just talking with somebody, today's my day for interviews, and that person was talking about you know, some of the things I was saying in the relational domain, sounding similar to Esther Perel's thing. And I was saying to this person that 
Esther and I, I don't know, I, I've met her, we've been at conferences together, but I don't know much about her work. But one thing we share is we've done an enormous amount of actual on-the-ground client work and working with people. And when you actually work with people one-on-one -on -one, and when you actually see them within the trajectory of a relationship, you realize that some of the really great stuff that sounds incredibly good doesn't work because nobody's life is one dimensional. You don't just have sex. And when you, for instance, have a baby, right, that requires extreme cooperation and it, it requires that you pull on the same string and that you are actually in agreement and sexual polarity in its very nature means that you will fight so if you are raising a child together or running a business together or living in the same house sexual polarity is only useful when you want to be engaged in that particular domain but when you go and pick up your kid at kindergarten or if uh, when you are taking turns feeding an infant you don't want strong polarity because strong polarity means you don't get along. You're on the opposite ends of the spectrum. And so these things have to be taken with an incredible grain of salt because otherwise you have guys who think it's, they have to be on purpose every moment of their lives. And who the fuck is, right? And believe me, the people who have you know perpetuated these myths are not on top of things in their lives all the time either because nobody is. And it's, I think, very dangerous to filter your uh, entire existence through are you feminine enough? You know, to me, that's utter bullshit because my femininity isn't in question. I'm a grown woman who can choose when to be submissive in the bedroom and when to kick ass in a boardroom and anything in between. And my empowerment doesn't come from, you know, flailing around wildly testing my man because maybe he was a bit off. Well, yes, you know, when I'm no longer off, then maybe I can do that to a man. But in the meantime, there is a certain amount of stepping away from the rhetoric and actually connecting with another human being and feeling what needs to be done so the relationship is optimal and not so that the relationship fits. This is once again, aspirational, right? And you see people and they post stuff on Instagram and it's like, my man sweeps me off my feet and da, da, da. Yeah, that's great. I like that as much as the next woman, but what else is he doing? Right. And how is the rest of his life? And how are we looking six years or 10 years down the line? Anybody can maintain that stuff for a hot moment. And certainly a lot of those concepts are very useful when you've gotten into a bad rut in your relationship, but they're not relationship advice. They're sexual yoga advice. And unless your entire life is lived as a sexual yogi, you got to have to you know, also consider a few other aspects and become a little bit more rounded a human being. So that's why I, it does sound a bit different out of my mouth because, you know, I'm living a very different life in a different time and I'm teaching different people. And I don't think it's useful when somebody comes to me and says, I need to reconnect with my feminine. Well, whenever are you not feminine, right? Never, 
it's just a matter of how much time do you spend with what and can you switch back and forth between one aspect of you and the other. And that's the power is that you can be in your masculine when you need to and be in your feminine when you need to. And also consider that some of the activities that are considered masculine can be done in a feminine way and the other way around. And it's not as hardcore as it's meant to be. And then when you look at actual sexual engagement, very few people only want to play in one aspect. Right? Very few people are always submissive or always you know, dominant. There's, there's a lot more to the sexual occasion than those kind of domains. But that's not to say that some of these things are not really, really useful and they're, that they're not uh, valuable. And I've certainly benefited and, and learned a lot in considering those things. But I also have to say that I've grown into a totally different domain in the context of wanting to give people insight into finding their own expression and truth versus telling them how it is. And so that's super, super important to me. And as you know, as you've read the book and in the course, I want to err on the side of inviting an inquiry that allows people to find it for themselves so it's true and they own it versus uh, some aspirational thing that they never can quite get. So that's yeah. a long rant here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th this could be an episode in itself, you know, because um, obviously we can talk about many different aspects of it, you know, women's bodies and how we we were made. And anyways, yeah. So thanks for sharing this perspective, Michaela. It's just, I, I understand what you mean and I've been battling with this as well. And I understood, and obviously, you know, I can't even compare my experience or my work with yours. I still have many, many years ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm on a journey, but I've also come to the conclusion that, you know, first and foremost, we are human beings. And then, you know, there's, we're very, very complex. And then secondary, I suppose, then it comes to like gender. And I also wanted to ask you about what do you think about gender fluidity and transgender, all of this, but I guess this, we'll leave that for another episode because we got to finish up. I just wanted to conclude that for my, for my personal journey, like with my man, my relationship, marriage and life, and I know perhaps that's why I'm attracting women who are on the same path. I prefer that my man is the provider. And is the fine even even in finances? I prefer to be protected and taken care of while I still do my business and everything. But I just don't want that pressure and that responsibility in my life. So that's why I feel strongly about playing. I guess playing that role of a more of a feminine being, I suppose, in my relationship. And I know so many women identify with this and resonate. So this is why I guess I was a little bit more. I'm a little bit confused, but as you said, this is my personal preference, as in I decided I feel better like this and I maintain, I suppose, my polarity within it, you know? so <laughs> Right, right. But that's a personal choice, right? Mm -hmm. and, not, uh, and not a dogma, because the thing is, yeah. when, you, when you subscribe to that as a way of being, then you're pushing yourself back into the 1950s, where that's your only choice. Right. And that's why I'm so passionately against it, right, in a certain way now. Because what's different about the, you know, the 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 current 
pseudo tantric. The man is, you know, you know, always on on uh, purpose, and the woman is totally surrendered. Well, that's the 1950s, right? The big difference is you have chosen to have a child and have your man provide for you. And when you no longer want to do that, because maybe your child's grown up and now you're passionate about your path in the world, you can shift. And when that happens, maybe the sex shifts, but maybe not. Maybe you're still going to be the feminine submissive woman in the in the bedroom but now your contribution to the relationship allows your husband to you know relax some side of him and bring out the more creative side or whatever that's an individual choice based on the circumstances and what makes that powerful is not that it's a given but that you chose it Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You find your own way in it, and and yeah, and it can change at any point in time as well. It's time for tools and resources on Girl Skill. Oh, all right. We'll we'll leave this conversation maybe for another episode. Thank you so much, Michaela. One last thing. Maybe we'll do one on one. Who is uh, who are the people or one person that you find inspiring and you recommend following or reading, and then also a book besides your own, of course, and besides the one you mentioned in the beginning that you want to read. We'll have it in the show notes. So, yeah, one one person or maybe a few, um, and then a book that you recommend uh, reading. Well, somebody. I, I mean, the things that I'm engaged with right now are not really related to the kind of work I do. So I can give some, you know, I can say some things, but I usually stay far away from people who are in the same realm as me because I want people to be respectful of my work and not just rip it off. And I'm certainly wanting to extend that to other people in my field, right? So I often don't engage with people who I, you know, think are great people because I don't want to ever, you know, be accused or find myself imitating things or using things. So my current inquiry is around, you know, more of the shamanic realms of things. And the book I'm reading at the moment is one of three books that I'm kind of from the same uh, author. It was a name, uh, man named Martin Prechtel, P-R-E-C-H-T-E-L. And I'm reading um, The Smell of Rain and Rain on Dust, which is about grief and praise, which is, I think, a very important aspect of the human experience is, is loss and how do you deal with it. And I'm all and then there's a there's a few other books. All of his books are incredibly good and very poetic and, and beautiful. And then the other thing I'm doing right now is I'm reading poetry and uh, quite a bit of poetry. And in the back of my book, there is a poem from a woman who's just putting out her second book and I've just ordered it. It's on pre-order and her name is Pavana Reddy. And she is an incredible modern day poetess. So she's a, a, a wonderful uh, resource. Uh, her first book's called Rangoli. R-A-N-G-O-L-I. And she's just wonderful. It's um it's very evocative. And she's also a very young and you know courageous woman who I think is a great resource for the emerging feminine that's free from the things that we're talking about. Mm, I love it. And poetry is something that I can't I'm I'm coming to 
love, I, I guess, explore as well. And I think it really comes with, because I had this question, I'm starting to like poetry or getting drawn to poetry this month. I'm becoming wise and stepping into my you know, true adulthood as a woman, because poetry is something I think you appreciate. I mean, most of us start to appreciate later on in the years, just that's because we understand That's definitely it. right. It's kind of an acquired taste. Yeah, and yeah. I certainly came to that party pretty late because I, <laughs> you know, but now that I do, I'm just, you know, fascinated by what can be invoked in the body through words. And that's just so good. Awesome. Well, Michaela, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your time, your wisdom, your knowledge, your recommendations. And uh, I'll definitely see in the course and perhaps in the workshops. But for everyone who wants to know more, and obviously, you know, I highly recommend the book and the course. But tell us where they can find more about, you know, your courses and your books and all the work you do. Well, you're going to, I assume, list my website, which is michaelabon.com, and on there is vast resources. So there's lots of articles in the news section, then there in the listen section is about 80 plus hours of free material from Q&As and workshops. And then I'm coming to Australia in May and October this year. We'll be in Europe in June, September, and November, and the rest of the time we're all over the U.S. So there's loads and loads of places you can find me. And there's online courses. The Wild Woman's Way online course is closed for a couple of months, but then opens back up. And I'm also offering a second course uh, in a few months that's coming up, and that's elemental engagement. So that takes you know, feminine embodiment into the more shamanic, uh, mystical realm and elemental realm. So that's something I'm working on. That's really exciting. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention, because I'm very, very passionate about this one, I, for some reason that I'm not quite sure about why, but I'm very happy about, got to read my own book. Often with first-time authors, you're not allowed to read it yourself, but I got to read my own book. So The Wild Woman's Way is actually available as an audio book that I read myself. And that uh, is something that um, I'm, I just want to mention because it's something that I'm very happy about, that it's out there with my voice so that my experience and my practices are read by my own voice. So I can... Um, you know, recommend that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I always, you know, when I listen to audiobooks, I always prefer the author reading that. So I didn't actually know you did that, but that's amazing. So for everyone who wants an audiobook, Michaela is now you know, reading her own book. So I'll, I'll link to the audiobook version as well. All right, Michaela, thank you so much. You have a beautiful day in Ojai and uh, hope to talk to you soon. Well, thank you. <laughs> Bye. All right, girlfriends, hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Uh, so excited to be releasing this. And please, please charge your karmic energy and share it with a girlfriend who perhaps, you know, I mean, every woman should basically listen to this. I know I say this in every episode, but this is so true. Michaela's work, so passionate about spreading her work and spreading her knowledge and booking her course and everything. So share this episode straight from your podcasting app or send a girlfriend to girlskill.com slash 106. So it's 106 episode. And 
thegirlskill.com slash 106 is where you find all the show notes and links to all the books, Michaela's websites, Michaela's workshops and all everything we mentioned in this episode. And quick reminder, you can, you can sign up for my own personal training and webinar called The Lie of Female Success that pretty much is the same as the superwoman syndrome, but in different ways and based on my own experience. I talk about the modern female epidemic and what are the steps that we can do in order to, you know, basically deal with life and the superwoman syndrome pretty much and some of the lies that we've been told. So you can find that at girlskill.com slash webinar. Sign up for the webinar. It's like an hour training. You can choose your time and um, hope you can enjoy it. All right. I'll see you next week at another awesome episode of Girlskill Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss an episode. And never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience. Until next time, let's continue redefining female success together. Girlskill.com. Female success redefined.